This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He's Mr. Chris Fedor. Hello, Chris. Where, hey, where are you? What's going on, guys? How are you, I'm still man? in my hotel room in Salt Lake City. Uh, my flight has been delayed by two hours. So given everything that everybody else is dealing with, I think I'll call that a win. Yeah, that's not bad. That, that's not bad at all. You had to ask for the late checkout, though, right? Well, I have that. I've got ambassador elite status. With oh, Mario, so excuse me. <laughs> there are two words I think of when I think of Chris Fedor: ambassador and elite. elite. <laughs> Combine the two, and by golly, he's hanging out in the hotel for another two hours. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, a thirteen to nothing run with about a minute and one on the clock going off. Ooh. That was a tough way to lose that game last night, Chris. And in the whole Karis Levert, Jordan Clarkson situation, seven point possession. Ooh, that that was a tough way to lose. Yeah, it was. And Karis Levert, um, he owned that one after the game in the locker room, but he also questioned the calls. He didn't like the calls, and JV Bickerstaff said the same thing. Um, so it's hard for me to like look at last night's game and last night's loss against Utah and say that there was something egregious to the way that they lost, right? Like it felt like they were in control of the game. It felt like they did the things that they needed to do in the fourth quarter. It felt like they were growing up and learning from their previous mistakes in the fourth quarter. And they had a five point lead. Then it was a seven point lead. And then all of a sudden, you just had a wild circumstance-type play that happens once every decade, maybe, something along those lines. So I feel like the Cavs played well, and they did some good things, and they almost overcame the loss of Jared Allen, which has been crippling to them at various points. And it was just a seven-point possession at the wrong time. And again, Karis LeVert, he, he... took ownership of that. He said, I've got to be better. I can't put it in the hands of the referee. I've got to expect them to make bad calls. But to me, it's it's hard to look at last night's game and be disappointed the way that they played down the stretch, um, even though it turned into a loss because it took something ridiculous and miraculous from Utah for that to happen. Dissect the play for me, please, because Jeff and I have been going back and forth on this all morning. I mean, is that I'm still trying to, to – I, I mean, to me, there was a little bit of a leg swing. The defenders got to have to have a place to come down. I, I mean, they were not happy with the call. Are they correct in not being happy with the call? I guess we'll find out. Um, it's interesting because in Utah, we're kind of high up. That's where our media seat is. Yeah, in on, that arena. on the corner. It's yeah. terrible. 
Yeah, on the corner. Um, so we did have a relatively decent view. It was just kind of far away. So when it happened, I turned to a couple of the writers that were sitting next to me, and I said, that's flagrant. Um, just because I know what's called nowadays in the NBA when it's a quote-unquote dangerous closeout when you don't give um, the shooter an opportunity to land safely. And then one of the writers pushed back and said, nah, Jordan Clarkson jumped really far forward. And so I just think it was one of those plays where if you asked about five different people, they would probably give you multiple different answers. I thought upon looking at it immediately that it was flagrant and it was going to be called flagrant. And then the second one where Jordan Clarkson kind of came around a brush screen and he kind of got nudged from behind by Karras. It definitely looked like he kicked his leg out. But at some point, like when a player shoots off balance, and Donovan Mitchell got a few calls last night like this as well, but when a player shoots off balance, their legs are kind of play a little bit. So you have to add some elements um, of that into what your ruling is. And the fact that they went to replay for both of those calls, and in one case, they upheld it, and in the other case, um, they upgraded it. That tells me that they saw something on that replay that led them to call it the way that they did. But I do believe that it was like 50-50, and I understand why people may be upset about it. Yeah, I, I guess my bigger issue is more flagrant versus intent. You know, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter, I, to be perfectly honest. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, though, do, should, that, should that in the future be defined? No, like, I don't think so, because because I think it, it kind of is defined. They call it a dangerous closeout where they don't allow the shooter, regardless of situation, to come down and land safely, and they're trying to do everything that they can nowadays to protect the shooters. Yeah, I hear you. I just think last night's call was weak. I'll leave it at that. That's Chris all. Fedor is joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Last segment, Chris, and I'm sure you weren't sitting in your hotel room in Utah listening. Uh, we combine two fun things, fun with numbers and is this anything? So I'm going to bounce a couple of these off you, and you tell okay. me, are, does this mean anything? Because a, a couple of things I, I discovered I thought were really fascinating. In nine games that Darius Garland has missed, the Cavs are 9-0. and And there's no way, as I said, on God's green earth that they're a better team when Darius Garland sits, yet they're 9-0. and what, mm-hmm. what, what does that mean? I was going to say, can you guys define something in this case? Yeah, well, you... I, I, the only thing that I said that it could possibly mean is they still haven't, and when he plays, they're a 500 team, 17 and 16, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and the only thing I thought was this, they're still trying to figure out how to play together with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland on the floor, you know, and, and when, when those two are together, the whole team is still trying to figure it out. I don't think that's a bad thing. Because here they sit at 26 and 16 with, I think, a lot of room for growth. Yeah. Yeah, guys, I think there's some truth to that. I I do think that if you look at the way that the Cavs are constructed and you look at all the things that they have dealt with at the beginning of the year and you look at the realities of this roster and the fact that coming into the year, you knew that it was going to take some time for a young team to come together, a young team needing to learn things, a young team needing to experience different things throughout the course of the regular season, and Darius and Donovan trying to get used to these different kind of roles. Um, I think given all of that, on top of the fact that they used 
17 different starting lineups so far, you could say the Cavs are one of the teams that is set up to make a strong second-half run, and the Cavs are one of the teams that is set up to be better in March, April, and May than they are currently. Um, And I think it's logical to think that there's going to be some organic growth that happens along the way for this group. But in terms of the 9-0 and without Darius, it's weird, isn't I would it? really have to dig into it. It is weird. I would have to dig into it and look at the opponents because, again, we've talked about this a few different times on this show, guys. I feel like wins and losses in the NBA, especially during the regular season, yeah. are very, very circumstantial. Here's and another. I, think they're tied, I mean, I think they're tied to the schedule. I think they're tied to who's available. Um, but the thing that it shows me more than anything else is that this team, because of Donovan, can function in a different way without Darius the way that they couldn't last year without Darius. So that's a positive, I think, that when somebody that important to the Cavs' success typically is not there, you have a star player like Donovan who is capable of putting this team on his back and lifting them to victory. All right, here's another one. And and this one to me... The, the question it leaves me with is, are you asking Donovan to do too much? Or is he having yeah. to do too much? And it's this. He has scored 30 or more points in 18 games. They're 14 and 4 in those games. Outstanding. When he yeah. doesn't score 30, if he's under 30 or hasn't played, the Cavs are 12 and 12. That seems to me like you're asking that guy to do an awful lot to win basketball games. They are, guys, and I think they recognize that. And, and I think there is an idea that when Ricky Rubio comes back and he's healthy, that's going to take some of that pressure off of Donovan Mitchell. Um, but in the meantime, they just need him to do these kinds of things based on the way that they've been set up. They missed Darius for a two-week stretch at the beginning of the year. Then he missed three games because of the thumb. And like I said, they've used 17 different starting lineups through the first half of the season. That's a lot. That's a lot of stuff that they've dealt with. So, yeah, I mean, it looks like you're asking Donovan to do too much, and I think the Cavs would admit that they're asking Donovan to do too much. In saying all of that, the truth is the way that this offense functions, Donovan and Darius are going to drive it. That's just the way that it's going to be. It's not really an offense that you look at the Utah Jazz where it's more spread out. It is pick-and-roll dominant that plays to the strength of Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, and they're involved in everything that this team does on the offensive end of the floor. And Jared Allen is involved in everything that this offense does um, because of the screen-setting capabilities. So um, he needs to get his minutes down. I think Ricky Rubio is going to help with that. Obviously, the Cavs are on the hunt to try and upgrade this roster at the trade deadline. Um, But I think Donovan is doing the things that he has to do in order for this team at this current stage to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And that's a responsibility that even if his minutes come down, even when Ricky Rubio comes back, that responsibility is not going to change. That's why Donovan is here. Chris Vidor joining us. Last thing from our fun little thing with numbers and is this anything? Uh, and by the way, without Jared Allen, they're or when he plays 13 minutes or fewer, they're two and six. But yeah, it's, the, it's yeah. this, yeah. Evan Mobley, 
scoring has gone down every month this season from 15.8, 14.7, 13.8, 11 so far here in January. Yet Chris's shot totals, field goals attempted, have remained in the same ballpark. And and I, I think, gosh, that doesn't seem right. Well, what, what's going on there? I think there are a couple of things, guys. Um, I had a source tell me recently that, that Evan was dealing with something physically beyond the, the ankle that kept him out from multiple games. Mm. And there was some word that he was dealing with knee tendonitis. So that's something to monitor as the season continues to progress here. Yeah. The, the other thing is um, I just think, like, with more time in the NBA – there's more of a scouting report on the things that you can do and the things that you can't do. And Evan is, a, is still a very, very young player that's trying to come into his own and trying to figure out where he can have the most success at both ends of the floor. And I think his offensive game is still flawed to a point at this stage of his development where defenses – can bother him, and he doesn't have the requisite counters the way that a polished, experienced player would. So I think the way that teams are defending Evan, they're trying to be more physical, they're inviting him to take shots from the outside, it doesn't necessarily play into his strengths currently, and he hasn't figured out how to adapt to that because he's still a young player that's trying to figure it out. So I just think right now, because there's more information on what he can and can't do, the scouting report is specific to him that it's kind of exploiting the obvious weaknesses in his game. Um, I was going to ask you, Cavs. I, we only got a minute or two here. That's why I was going to ask you about Cavs trade deadline. Is LeBron going to ask for a trade out of L.A.? What do you think? No. no I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I think there's some kind of recognition in Los Angeles, some kind of recognition. And he's probably upset about this situation that they're in and he wants to win. But I think there's some kind of recognition that the way that they can improve this roster in the off season is a lot different than the way that they could potentially improve the roster at the trade deadline. And I think LeBron um, is going to be a little bit more patient with that. Um, and it doesn't mean that he isn't frustrated, and it doesn't mean that he doesn't want to get to the playoffs. But I think he's a basketball savant enough to know that there aren't a lot of things that the Lakers can do to improve their roster. But if they go through this upcoming offseason and they don't improve it significantly, then maybe he gets frustrated. But I don't see that happening in the, in the immediate future. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate your time today. You got it, guys. Anytime. All right, safe travels. Chris Fedor, plane dealer, cleveland.com. You hear him here on The Fan, uh, joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 
Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.